Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, the morning sun has vanquished the horrible night. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how's it going? Oh, Patrick, excited to be here. Uh Sad to see Retro Month come to a close. It does seem, uh, I feel like we are at the end of of a journey that we've gone on this retro weirdo sequel uh, epic together. We really, like, shotgunned these games, too. It's, well, yeah, I mean... We we shotgunned them, and each individual one was shotgunned. Yes, um, which uh, is maybe uh, maybe not how they're intended to be taken in. I don't think. I think that's fair. That you're supposed to play for like an hour, <laughs> get frustrated, put it down, walk away for a week. Zelda's Revenge, <laughs> Zelda Two, Simon's Quest, <laughs> all of these games. <laughs> um, yeah, but we've done it. We've uh, we we've gotten through today. We are going to be talking about Castlevania Two. Simon's Quest, um, and that's it. Uh, the next thing on our uh, agenda here is go through the remaining schedule for Retro Month, but that's it. It's done. It's done, but which also means that I will be back with you for a news episode on Tuesday, which I'm excited about. Right. Cause it's been too long at this point. That's right. I don't. And here's the weird thing. We don't even know how that feels yet. We may get to that, and it might feel great. Who knows? That's right. I don't. Maybe I'll maybe I'll be dreading. Right, you'll be like coming uh, back for a news episode. I gotta talk about whether there's gonna be a direct in April. And I'm sure all the guest hosts did a magnificent job. I'm sure I wasn't missed at all. (laughs) Uh, Tell you what was missed um, is my copy of Sonic Forces. You can borrow it and make me miss it as much as you want. All you gotta do is write to us with your mailing address to Nintendo Cartridge Society at at gmail.com. And I send it to you, and you get to play it as much as you want. This is a Switch copy. The game is on Switch. If you own, like, an Xbox or something, and you want to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces, I mean, you can, but you can't play it. Yeah, I mean, but we won't stop you. No. It's the beauty of the program. Look, the program exists all on its own, and we have intentions for it, but if they... what actually happens goes outside those intentions. Like, we can't be held accountable for that. No, we refuse to be. <laughs> That's right. All right, Mark, let's get into the matter at hand. Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest. Now, what is your uh, your history with this game, your experience with this game? I, nope, I, going broader. I'm going to start broader than that. I'm sorry to interrupt you <laughs> right after asking a question. Would you consider yourself a Castlevania fan? Yes, but uh, weirdly, I'm more of a fan of like old school Castlevania. Castlevania 4 is my like hands-down favorite Castlevania. That's the Super Nintendo Castlevania? That's right. Uh-huh. Um, and I've played the some of the Igavanias like the ones on DS, but, and I've, of course, these are those that are de- uh, developed by Igarashi. That's right. right. Yeah. And that are more Symphony of the Night-esque mm-hmm. than um, classic Castlevania. 
And I like those, but they're it's not the, my favorite type of Castlevania. So basically the difference there and what makes a Symphony of the Night style Castlevania game is that it is more of a like backtracking Metroid-like kind of game, yes. right? Yes, uh-huh. Um, and uh, the Castlevanias that you're referring to that are like your jam are sort of, sort of the more level-based... Um, like They're more just like traditional platformers, basically. Kind of like side-scrolling action games, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, but but those those are more of the the Castlevania that that you enjoy. Um, and this game, Simon's Quest, is not that. Uh, not not like a Castlevania Four type thing. It's not your preferred kind of Castlevania. It's a riff on it, like the way that Zelda Two is a riff on the original Zelda. See, I think this has a lot more in common. I think when people say, when they use the the phrase Metroidvania, part of the reason that they're doing that is because Simon's Quest is structured the way it is. Oh, interesting. I I agree that there are, like, I guess, Metroid-esque aspects to Simon's Quest, but I feel like the reason uh, Metroidvania came into being a term is because of Symphony of the Night. See, I, I... I will agree with you that that is what like solidifies it, but I think the fact that both of these games, uh, that Simon's Quest and the original Metroid, existed, you know, from way back in the '80s uh, on the original NES, I, I think that like that it, it becomes part of the both the Castlevania series identity and the Metroid series identity. This game definitely has backtracking. It for certainly sure. does. And uh, the sort of like obtuse, no, you figure it out <laughs> approach to game design. Right. I mean, uh, if you've heard of Simon's Quest, it's probably because of a video like the Angry Video Game Nerd or something like that. Right. Somebody talking about how incredibly obtuse and unfair this game is. And it is, in- it is definitely obtuse. If you don't know what to do, um, I don't know how you proceed through this game. You yeah. and I played with a guide in hand. Virtually, uh, when you were playing, me reading aloud to you, and when I was playing, you reading aloud to me. And I think that's the only way to do this. It was definitely enjoyable. I mean, I'm not going to lie. This is the, of the games we've played for Retro Sequel Month, other than maybe Super Mario Land 2, this is definitely the most fun I've had. Uh, yeah, well, I think part of that is also that it did not take us very long to beat it. That's also true. Maybe it took us like four hours. Yeah, maybe a little less uh, to, to, get, to get all the way through it. And again, this was completely just using a guide. Yeah, yes. I mean, if, if we had just been left to our own devices, there, uh, we, I don't think I would have found any items. I think I would have gone off in the wrong direction to begin with and uh, fought enemies that were too hard for me. Yeah, so... Okay, maybe the reason why I enjoyed this so much was because we were using a guide, it felt so linear, and mm. then it just felt like a regular classic Castlevania to me. Yeah. Because, so this game is unfair. Like, it's very obtuse. Um, Even if you talked to everybody, like every NPC, I don't know that you would figure out everything you need to figure out. It's like, once the ball gets rolling, I think... Uh, the game is hard, but plays, like, you could figure it out. Like, uh, one of the most infamous parts of this game is you get to a dead end, and you have to know to uh, equip a certain orb, like a certain item that you get. A crystal. And then uh, kneel down, mm-hmm. and eventually a vortex comes and take you away to the next screen. Now, in isolation, 
that is that seems crazy obtuse. And even in the game, it is obtuse. But to that but it, point, it is one of three times that you have to kneel down with a crystal equipped. Exactly, you've already done it at least once in the game, and it's very clearly a dead end. So once you've done it one time, you would probably think to do it again in that instance. But doing it that first time. I don't necessarily know how you make that leap. Same with like the holy water opening up holes yes, in the floor. Yes. You know, like once you've experienced that, then you might know every room I go into in a town, I'm going to just throw holy water and see if something happens. But the first time, I don't know how you're supposed to figure that out. It also, I mean, when we got later into the game and we would go into a door and be like, okay, now if we want to see if there's, because we were looking around, we were trying to buy some laurels before uh, continuing on uh, in the game. Which are basically like stars in Yeah, they're, they're like little invincibility items. Um, and we walk into a room, and it appears to be empty, and we're like, okay, so now start throwing some stuff on the, on, the, on, on the floor, see if we can go down. Yeah, okay, and then we go down some steps. And it's like, why? Why at this point, like, if the, if the puzzle is you, you can't get anything in a house without throwing holy water on the floor, why even have that? Like, you either know it or you don't. And that's it. Yeah, totally. Well, and uh, on top of that, once you throw the holy water, sometimes you have to go down multiple steps of stairs. Yeah, what is that? And that's a huge why. Yeah, huge why. why? It doesn't add anything. No. Um, I guess the, the one place where this doesn't really feel like a Metroidvania-style game is anytime you go into the mansions to uh, get any... And because the, the the point should we talk about what like the point of this game is? Sure, yeah. Okay, so you are playing Simon Belmont. This is the same character from the original Castlevania, um, and he it's like seven years later. Yeah, six years later, I think. Six years later, um, he has just or er, six years ago uh, killed Dracula, and Dracula put a curse on him as he died. Um, and so you are suffering from this curse, and the only way to end the curse is to revive Dracula. And kill him again? Yeah, so you're kind of doing this seemingly for selfish reasons, but maybe not entirely, because it seems like the entire world is a little bit cursed. When you mm. go to towns at night, they turn into, like... Yeah, there are ghouls in these towns. And uh, out in the forest, there are presumably Dracula's minions. I don't know. Maybe they're unassociated with Dracula. Maybe it's just a dangerous place to be. You think they're just unaffiliated monsters? Yeah. It could be. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the it definitely doesn't seem like uh, it's a fun place to be. Yeah, but what I'm, I, I guess what I'm getting to is, like, maybe this is wholly selfish on Simon's part. Like, he's reviving Dracula purely to cure his own curse. Or I, maybe the entire world is cursed. I'm a little unclear on that. Yeah, I mean, wh whatever the case, uh, your goal in this game is to revive Dracula, um, which is uh, a little bit crazy. Because um, you just killed him six years you ago. You just killed him. Just die with dignity. You did it. You look. You did it. So what you got to do is, I guess, go around collecting pieces of uh, Dracula's body. Yeah, you get like his rib, his eye, his heart, um, his nail, and a ring, and a ring. And then once you have all, and those are at different mansions right. throughout the uh, world. And then once you have, you think all those of are just them, like Dracula freaks <laughs> who are like just big fans of him? Like I got his nail. Oh yeah, for sure. Like how serial killers get people writing to them. Yeah, in absolutely. Jail and stuff. A hundred percent. So the, when you go into uh, each of these body parts is in uh, at the end of a mansion, um, and so these are the parts of the game that I felt like didn't feel 
Castle or it didn't feel Metroidvania y because as soon as you get into one, it is a more or less linear shot to where you're going. Like there are maybe like different paths through it, but there's no or more like detours that seem like they'll lead you astray. Exactly. Just dead ends. There's no like power up within the castle that you're going to get that like changes how you approach um, navigating the thing. Um, so anyway, you you collect all of these things, you bring Dracula back to life, and then you throw some daggers at him. <laughs> uh, the end. The end, basically, yeah. Um, this game does very interestingly uh, have three endings. Well, it's all based on the time mechanic, which we haven't talked about yet. Let's talk about the time mechanic. So uh, this game infamously has a day and night cycle. So you bet. As soon as you start the game, the uh, clock starts ticking, and... Uh, every time there's a day and a night cycle, that counts as one full day that you are doing this because you're on this quest. Yeah. And the ending that you get is determined by how long it takes you, how many in-game days it takes you to defeat it. At six o'clock at night, it becomes nighttime. And if you're outside of a town, the enemies become harder. The drops also become better. Like they'll drop more hearts, which is a currency that will... You use, also, it is also experience. <laughs> yes, it's both experience and a currency at different uh, rates. Yes. So uh, enemies will drop little hearts, half big hearts, and big hearts. And as far as the currency is concerned, those are worth two, four, and eight. And as far as the experience is concerned, it's like one, three, and six mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Um, and you can only you can only like level up in, in a geographic area on a map once and then once you do that so like if you level up while you're in a mansion if you continue to collect hearts while you're in a mansion they count as currency but the level at which they like add experience is like none right yeah it seemed like they once you level up in a location you cannot gain more experience points in that location so during the daytime the enemies are easier and you can interact with people in towns. You can go into the churches to heal. You can buy stuff, anything like that. At night, uh, the enemies are harder. The drops are better, but they're harder. And then in towns, you can't go into any buildings. You can't interact with anybody. They're, everybody's inside taking shelter, and there are ghouls running about. Ghouls! Um, yeah, and, but the, the thing with the towns is that, like, you know, we, we didn't do too much just, like, poking around to, like, see what... It, it, how much like personality the townspeople express because you know in the first like two villages it's kind of nothing right like some of them talk about the game world of like uh you know don't like wasn't there some guy warning us against like uh someone selling like phony something or other or the i think the first person we talked to in the first town basically told us like there's a merchant here but they'll rip you off yeah and then consulting the guide, it was like, now go to the merchant. Yeah, but uh, when I was doing some research on this, the thing is that the townspeople are sometimes not entirely truthful or are like mis- a little bit misleading. So you can't re- entirely trust the things the townspeople tell you, which is a huge problem in a game that's so obtuse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, how are you... How... I just, I just want to know how anyone playing this game for the first time without a Nintendo power, without the internet, how they're supposed to approach this because if if the villagers are actively <laughs> lying to you how, how how are you supposed to get anywhere i, I guess it, it just requires brute force hacking where you literally just try everything yeah Ugh. the zelda equivalent of walking around trying to burn every bush yeah and trying to bomb every surface i i mean i guess that that is something and a way to 
you know, increase the time you spend experiencing one game. Yeah, I, the thing with Simon's Quest, though, is that there's so many more variables, mm-hmm. right? Right, because there's day, there's night. There's the crystals, there's holy water, right? So it's not just, like, bombs and fire, where, you're like, I'm going to try to bomb every wall yeah, sure. and uh, burn every tree. It's like, okay, I guess I'll try holy burn water here. Burn every mountain. My, of course, favorite song from... <laughs> The Sound of Music. Uh, yeah, no, and especially when, you know, the the example that we just used is, like, kneeling in front of something. There's, like, I get it that in the mythology of the game, like, kneeling, you're, like, genuflecting, you're doing, like, a Christian rite there, but, like, how... How would how would how would anyone ever like piece those things together? Yeah, I have no clue. Oh, you know, so we were playing the Wii U Virtual Console version of this. Yes, I assume it's based on the NES version, but there's like a there there's I guess more religious iconography than I was expecting in an NES game for yeah, the time. The word hell appears in the um uh like the preamble to this game. Um, what else did you... There, isn't there, like, a cross? That's how you know that you're going to churches? Well, yeah, so the, there are crosses on the churches, but there are there also... There's a, a cross on a church in Zelda 2 as well. I guess that's true. And there's gravestones, but there's no crosses there. There's holy water. I don't know if that... Is it actually called holy water in the game? Uh, yeah, I think it's called holy water. In yeah, the so I, I don't know. I guess... And, uh, you I do l- get a cross in the course of this game, which is called a magic cross. <laughs> Which we we never used for anything. I think you need it in order to go into Dracula's castle. Oh, sure. I think if you don't have it, it just doesn't let you win. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then uh, the issue of Nintendo Power that featured this game yes. is like... It's a famous one. Yeah, Simon standing with Dracula's uh, disembodied head. Which Actually, again feels ghoulish for uh, Nintendo at the time. Uh, go if you if you are not familiar with this cover of Nintendo Power, go look it up. I believe it is issue number two. Um, that it, it's a like live act. Like they got some, they got an actor to play Simon Belmont, and he's holding a Dracula head. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, it is super ghoulish. Um, and especially considering that the first issue of Nintendo Power is the Super Mario Brothers two. Uh, cover, which is like a claymation Mario. It's like the cutest thing in the world. Um, and then there's this, which is like a legit scare fest with like smoke machines and uh, the the dude playing Simon is like wearing a like a metal helmet. And it's really like creepy and violent. I think we got a little sidetracked because we didn't talk about the three different endings. Oh yes. Uh, okay. So um, there there are. We've we've set up everything, right? Simon's on a quest. <laughs> He's on Simon's quest. <laughs> There's time in this game. That's right. Um, so if you manage to defeat Dracula within the first eight days, within the first week, um, then you get uh, presumably what is the the good ending. Actually, let's not put ju- let's not put value judgments on any of these endings, okay? Well, there seems to be some disagreement online, which is like the good ending and which one is the bad ending, right? So or in, the worst ending in in the fastest possible run ending, um, seven days or less. Seven days or less. Uh, do you have those pulled up, Mark? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you've defeated Dracula, and Simon is freed from the curse. He kneels by Dracula's grave, and text appears that says, "The encounter with Dracula is terminated." Simon Belmont has put an end to the eternal darkness in Transylvania. His blood and sweat have penetrated the earth and will induce magic and happiness for those who walk the land. 
Simon walks away from the grave, but that night, Dracula's hand pushes through the dirt. Now, this is pr- what one source, I'm looking at the uh, Castlevania wiki, uh-huh. says is the good ending. Even though it implies, not just implies, but straight up shows that Dracula is coming back. So here's the normal ending, what, right. th- what they're labeling the normal ending. This is the one we got. When you complete the game in 8 to 14 days. Sim- Two weeks. Simon defeats Dracula, but eventually succumbs to the curse anyway. Oops. Oops. Simon kneels by Dracula's grave, and text appears telling the player that, although the confrontation between Simon and Dracula has concluded, Simon couldn't survive his fatal wounds from the first game. Transylvania's, Transylvania's only hope is a young man who will triumph over evil and rid the city of Dracula's deadly curses. That's end up a sequel? Uh, I Are mean, we talking about Castlevania 3 with I Trevor think, Belmont at that I point? I think that might be what we're setting up, yeah. Mm, cliffhanger. I kind of like that. Uh, and then if you complete the game in 15 days or more, uh, you get the bad ending where neither Dracula or Simon survive. Presumably just nobody's at Dracula's grave. And the text reads, the battle has consummated. Now peace and serenity have been restored to Transylvania and the people are free of Dracula's curse forever. And you, Simon Belmont, will always be remembered for your bravery and courage. Now tell me, why is that the bad ending? I don't know. It seems fine. Yeah. I mean, both of the... Both of the like worse endings where Simon ends up dead feel fine to me. Yeah, and neither of them imply that Dracula is coming back. <laughs> yeah, I, that that seems yeah that seems totally good. Huh. I mean, maybe defeats the purpose of Simon going on this quest, which we're we think maybe is uh, kind of selfish anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do think it's interesting. Um how many of the games that we played for this month um, have subtitles that uh, like put the ownership of something on uh, like a character within the narrative, mm-hmm. like um, uh, the Castlevania two is Simon's quest. Zelda two is the adventure of Link. Star Tropics two is Zoda's revenge. <laughs> um, Super Mario Land, six golden six coins. Six golden coins. That one breaks the formula, so it's wrong, and I apologize. No, but you're right, though. Especially, like, Link's Awake, or uh, The Adventure of Link. Yeah. Basically the same thing here, right? You're trying to rid uh, Hyrule of Ganon. Ganon's minions are trying to kill you so they can resurrect Ganon. Yeah, and Metroid 2, The Return of Samus. What's going on here? I guess they're just identifying the hero of the games that are not really titled after the hero. You think they regret that? You think they're like, oh man, we should we should really just call these games Link, right? Uh, yeah, the the Legend of Link or something, yeah. right? And so then they're like, okay, everybody's confused. Which one's Zelda? Which one's Link? Right. Going to title this. Um, Sam. Everybody calls Samus Metroid. Right. We gotta no. The next one, put her name in the title. Put her name in the title. <laughs> Castlevania Two. Like, is this guy Castlevania? He could be. No, he's Simon Belmont. It's Man, his quest. I would have loved it if there was a character in this game named Castlevania. It's like in uh, elementary school plays where people are the trees. That's right. Yeah, Except Castlevania is not even a place. <laughs> what? Cas- not- Castlevania isn't anything, right? Right. <laughs> Boy, that's weird. But yeah, overall, th- this was the most fun I had with, I think, any of the games we played. Now that we've been talking about it, I'm including six golden coins in here. Um, I think I prefer six golden coins, um, but uh, you know, I was also able to, uh, well, we did shotgun all the rest of these games. Six golden coins I played in like three sessions, Same. I think. 
Um, and, you know, not that I couldn't have uh, just like sat through and beaten it in probably less time than it took us to beat this game. Um, but, you know, it just by virtue of the fact that we were both playing it on our own, um, made it a little bit easier to digest that way. But yeah, this is actually, if only it would tell you what you're supposed to do, uh, I would say is a much better game than just about anything else we played. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. I mean, look, if you are trying to do this without a guide and you just want to try to figure out Simon's Quest, it's going to be miserable. You're not going to have fun. But do if, you oh, hold on? I want to challenge that for a second. Do you think that if you like knew, like if you had listened to this episode and we're like, yeah, you got to throw, you got to kneel sometimes, you got to um, throw um, holy water on the floor, like every room you go into, and like, you know, level up and grind the way that, you know, we, we don't try to level up twice in one area. If you have like all of those bullet points, do you think you would be able to get through this game? I guess maybe we didn't talk to enough NPCs to know for sure what kind of hints they give because you also yeah. need to know to have a like wood reed or no, a stake so you can uh in every mansion throw it at the bag that becomes or throw it at the orb that becomes a bag that has Dracula's part in it and like I don't know if at any point anybody's like use this stake to do that, maybe you yeah. intuit it, I don't know. I mean, oh, but why would you? Because like, you're in you're in a Dracula environment. You vampires are a known entity, and you are offered a wooden stake, and you're like, I'm gonna save that for the vampire. Yeah, it's like, no, don't you shouldn't do that at all. Well, and like, yes, we said that there is backtracking, but we haven't told you where. I mean, I guess maybe you would come to a dead end, and you'd. And you would know to go the other direction, but I don't even know that it always works like that. Yeah, it's I hard to say because really it's know either. just was not our experience with this game at all. Yeah, totally. But, but I, I guess there, there's the uh, there's the experience with the the ferryman too, who like um, he takes you. Uh, you need to have Dracula's heart, right? Um, and then he will take you across the river, um, which great. Thank you for doing that. Uh, but then doesn't the, stop though. Doesn't stop though. You got you got to bail on that thing. <laughs> Otherwise, because he will not dock. Um, but then you take him like back a- across the river to where you started from. And if you take him again, he takes you to a different area. How would you know that? I mean, we were using a guide and I was just skimming it and I missed it. Yeah, it's confusing. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I do feel like the best way to experience this is with a guide. And if you are a fan of old school Castlevania and had maybe never played this or had been nervous about playing it, because you had heard uh, its reputation for being so obtuse. I think it's super fun, as long as you have a guide and know where you're going. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, that is, you know, we've played a, a couple of obtuse games for this, right? Like, I would say that uh, Star Tropics 2 and Zelda 2 are also fairly obtuse games. Um, and I feel like the guide does the most to make this a better experience in, in this one than, than in the other two. Well, because this game isn't, like, it's obtuse, but otherwise it's not punishingly hard. Yeah, that's right. Like, like um, it's fair. It's, like, well-balanced. There's some tricky platforming and, you know, uh, a lot of uh, places where we would would have gotten auto-killed if we weren't, like, kind of save-scrubbing. But it wasn't, That's that is very true. But it wasn't frustrating. Like, the platforming was tough and the controls aren't always awesome, but it wasn't frustrating in a way that I found Zoda's Revenge to be. Or even yeah. some of the Zelda 2 stuff. I wonder if we went back, if we were able to play uh, Zoda's Revenge 
with uh, save states if that would have uh, made some of that better. Because any time that we died, any time that we messed up a jump, we had to go back to the beginning of the dungeon. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure it would have. Yeah. But the other thing that improves this over Zoda's Revenge for me is like you need hearts in this game for currency and yeah. to level up, mm-hmm. and they're pretty generous with hearts. Like we did some grinding. And that wasn't, like, the most fun, but it wasn't, like, we were, uh, spent hours doing it. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I also, like, even though, uh, you know, we, I, did we mention this when we were playing, uh, Star Tropics 2? That, like, you go into shops, and the shopkeeper just, like, gives you the new item, gives you the new weapon. I like that you have to, like, save up and, like, actually buy the things that you need in in Castlevania. Like, that's sort of cool, and that's also not something that's in um like any of the rest of these games that we played uh like the progression of your character like you feel a little bit more invested in it than you would in like uh Zelda 2 or Star Tropics because like you're making those choices it's a game that would really benefit from a a remake yeah even totally. in like a the same pixel art style mm-hmm. they're just so limited by the text like how much text they can fit in one of the boxes to give you a hint like I, I wonder if the Japanese version is more clear. Oh, I mean, probably. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine that they were spending a ton of time and or money to uh, translate and localize these things. Uh, you know, especially when if Nintendo is just like, don't put any religious in- imagery in this ad, or like, don't use any religious language. I'm sure their hands were tied in a lot of ways on, on this. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and... Talking about how it's different from the first Castlevania, it's like a really ambitious sequel. They tried a lot of stuff. A lot of it works. Mm-hmm. The leveling up system, once we figured it out, is pretty cool. Like you, we were talking about all the stuff with like having to buy the items and interact with townspeople. Like all that is good. It just is limited by what can be done on the hardware. I think. Yeah. Well, and I I do think that they get a little bit crazy with. Because, like, all of the towns are these, like, huge multi-level uh, things where, like, there's a, a lot of space to explore, but not really anything worth exploring. You know what I mean? Like, the towns are effectively empty in a lot of the same way that the towns in Zelda 2 are empty. Um, so, you know, maybe that's just a, a function of, like, the time and, you know, the people wanting uh, exploration to be, like, this great thing, but ultimately realizing, like, eh, you know, what, what can you really do? There is a a lady wandering around in yes. the towns in this game who looks very similar to the lady that wanders around in Zelda 2. The lady in red. Who yeah. will heal you. And in Zelda. In Zelda. Yeah. And in this game, she just wants to get with you. She does say that she's, she's like, I want to spend some more time with you. Hey, good looking. <laughs> um, all right. So we've reached the point where... I say, if there was something from this game that is carried over into future versions of the Castlevania series, uh, if there even ever is such a thing, uh, what would you like to see brought back from this game? Well, this one's a little different from all the other games that we talked about, because the the third... This one isn't such a departure from the first Castlevania. Yeah. That, like, the third Castlevania game... Uh, isn't like uh, The Last Crusade, the Indiana Jones movie, where they're like, oh boy, 
people really didn't like that second one. Let's go back to doing the first one again, which is basically what happened with Zelda and Star Tropics. They were like, no, never again. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a kind of a miracle that they ever made a second Star Tropics. <laughs> um, because I, I, I mean, I, I feel like they did. Three... I feel like they did take the good things from yeah. this and have like used uh, it. But eventually, like, sure. I, I don't think I don't think that that actually does show up in. Um, uh, Castlevania three or four. It's really uh once you get into the symphonies of the night and symphony of the nights and uh all of the uh, DS ones, um that uh you see that kind of formula come back. Um, thinking about other stuff, I thought this game looked very good, uh, and I we liked the music for quite a while. It, it took us a long time to put on uh, other other tunes, mm-hmm. which we do end up doing every time we play one of these old games together. Uh, just because, you know, you can only hear that 30-second loop for so long. But this one was definitely... I feel like this was definitely the longest, and probably because it was Konami. Yeah. They're known for their great NES soundtracks. Uh, so you would recommend that people give this one a try? I think so, as long as you're playing with a guide. Yes, uh, yeah, hu- huge uh, caveat. Play this game if you have access to a guide. But hey, it's 2019. You have access to a guide. Uh, all right, Mark, let's close out our discussion of Castlevania II, Simon's Quest. I'd love to know what other people's experiences are uh, playing this game. Did you play it as a kid? Did you barely understand it um, when you originally played it? And were you able to get more out of it now? Were you so turned off from your experience as a kid that you were like, I'm never touching that game again? Uh, let us know. You can write to us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Um, Mark, that was Retro Month. We did it. Um, I would, uh, you know, I, I, think, I think people are going to enjoy Retro Month. Um, but, you know, would love any kind of feedback if you think we should be doing these more often. Yeah, should this become an annual thing? Does March become the month of Retro? It does March become the month of retro. These are things we need to know. You can write to us in all the normal ways that you would write to us. Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the show. Um, remember, please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell and the show is at Nin Cart Society. You can check out the Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Mark will be back with me on Tuesday. So excited. Presumably. About, presumably. <laughs> maybe he's dreading it. Um, just talk about the news. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8-Bit Betty. You can get more of 8-Bit Betty's music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thanks for listening. Campfire.